Good morning. Um, I'm so excited to be sharing with you this morning. As Leon said, uh, Life Central really has uh, become a home for myself and Jack. It really does feel like family, uh, which makes it even more exciting to be able to share with you what um, I feel God has been teaching us at the moment. Um, So before we get into that, um, in a moment, there's going to be a slide on the screen. I always forget this is here. Um, A slide on the screen. Um, And I can guarantee there is going to be about three different reactions to this slide in this room. So here it is, Ikea. Everybody should know what Ikea is. If you don't, you need to head on over there because you're missing out. Um, But as I said, there's probably about three different reactions going on in people's heads right now. Either this fills you with absolute joy. You love Ikea. You love spending four hours of your Saturday walking around Ikea and looking at furniture for some reason. Um, Or you might be the complete opposite. It fills you with absolute dread uh, when you hear the words, we've got to go to Ikea. Um, You dread walking around for four hours looking at furniture. You dread trailing behind people uh, that are walking the pace of a snail. Um, Or you might be a little bit like me and you're a bit of both. Um, You get excited, like, yes, I can go and get that wardrobe that I've been waiting for because that's grown-up life now, apparently. Um, And you get excited and you might get distracted a bit by, you know, those contraptions for cutting vegetables in a fancy way and you think you need it even though you definitely don't. Um, But then, you know, it's great... You get to where you want to be, you find the wardrobe, you think, brilliant, this is going to look fantastic. Uh, You get home, you unpack it, you see the manual, which looks a little bit like a comic book, and you think, I can definitely follow pictures, like, I've got this sorted. Um, And then, about four hours later, you realise, there's a theme with four hours with Ikea, apparently, um, you realise that you've still not got this wardrobe up, Um, you've somehow, along the way, lost a few of the screws that you were meant to use Um, and you're looking at a piece of wood and you're thinking where the heck is this meant to fit in to this picture Um, but eventually um, you do it and it's standing up and it looks stable so you kind of just leave it as it is and hope for the best anyway that's what we do when we were putting up our furniture Um, you see the manual was simple It was so easily set out for me to understand what was meant to be happening. But somehow it got so confusing in the process. Um, And I believe in this life we have an instruction manual um, of how we're meant to live out this life with God, our relationship with God, and that is called the Bible. And um, at times it can seem like it's really simple. But then somehow along the way, it gets really complicated and it really doesn't feel easy anymore. Um, And this morning, I want to talk about exactly that. And if you're um, not a Christian uh, today, please don't switch off because I feel like actually this could be a great opportunity um, for you to see what having a relationship with God looks like. And actually that as Christians, we do not get it perfect um, and we're not meant to. We're not meant to get it perfect. Um, So we're going to look at a few things what faith isn't. Um, But before we get into that, um, 
I want to just make sure we're all on the same page about what kind of faith are we talking about. Because faith has lots of different meanings. Um, There's lots of different connotations that come with the word faith, which are probably going through your head right now as well. Um, But so we're all on the same page. The kind of faith that I'm talking about this morning is faith in God, our relationship in God, the very thing that enables us to have that relationship. Um, And my hope for you this morning is that if things have got a bit complicated along the way in your relationship with God, um, that this could be encouraging um, and this could help you untangle some of those areas that have got a bit complicated. So my first point, faith isn't a burden. For those of you that are married in the room, just realise what that sounds like, (laughs) marriage burden. I'm not saying that that, (laughs) I'm not saying that's the same thing at all. Hear me out. Um, But for those of you that are married in the room, you may have heard of something called marriage prep. Um, For those of you who don't know what that is, marriage prep is basically um, before you're married, you prepare yourself um, by meeting up with another couple. Uh, watch a few videos, you ask a few questions, and basically just have conversations about um, what a healthy marriage looks like and how you can best do that. Um, So myself and Jack did that before we got married. We found it really helpful. We met up with Sam and Hannah, which was great. Um, And one topic that comes up quite a lot in marriage prep is this topic of expectations, of how important it is to communicate in your marriage about the expectations that you have. Um, But I think that this um, is key to a lot of other areas in life as well, because when we don't communicate these expectations, they're then called unspoken expectations, and unspoken expectations have, you know, bit of a tricky effect on things sometimes. I read this quote that said, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments, which I thought was quite deep, but actually it makes sense. Because if you expect something is going to happen and then it doesn't, you get frustrated with that person. um, And then eventually it does cause a barrier between you. Let me give a few examples of some maybe little expectations that we might experience in day-to-day life. Um, The first one, maybe you expected that the washing up would be done by the time you got home, and it wasn't. Um, Maybe it's the fact that last week you brought in your neighbour's bin, so you thought they'd bring yours in this week, uh, but they didn't. It might be that um, the person you've just held the door open for would say thank you. I'm sure we can all relate to that one. And they don't, and it's really frustrating. <laughs> just say thank you. Um, there's lots of different things, and these are simple things, obviously. Uh, but I think that this principle of unspoken expectations can very easily transfer into our faith. We somehow put these expectations on ourselves of how we're meant to be before God. Um, and it causes this frustration. An example uh, for me in this area is um, around gossip. I um, have a tendency to gossip. I like talking, I like people, and I like learning new things. So gossip just naturally, that's my excuse, (laughs) just naturally comes to me. Um, But I, I really don't like it. I really despise the fact that that is something that naturally comes to me. And it's something that I try so hard to stop doing. And I try out of sheer willpower to stop it and to change it within myself. And I might go about a week where I've not gossiped and it's great. But then I gossip again. 
And then I realize I've failed again. And then I feel guilty again. And I feel like I've disappointed my God again. But you see, that expectation was never spoken by God to me. He never said, Jess, I expect you not to gossip. I've put that expectation on myself. And it's then caused this frustration and this barrier between me and God. Maybe for you it's not gossip. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something much bigger. Um, But you've put this high expectation on yourself to reach this target. And it's just not working. And all it's doing is causing a frustration. There's a story in the Bible uh, that I want us to quickly look at that talks about this. Um, And it's a story about Jesus and his friends. They're traveling to a place called Jerusalem. And they stop off at a town to visit um, some sisters called Mary and Martha. You've probably heard this story before. Um, But Mary and Martha, they've got a very different approach to Jesus coming to their house. You see, Mary, um, she's so excited. She uh, sits down with Jesus. She's talking with him. She's listening into what he's got to say to her Um, and Martha's in the kitchen um, and she's excited too about Jesus but she's like preparing the big dinner she's making sure the house is all clean and tidy Um, and it doesn't say this in the Bible but this is how I picture Martha being in all those moments where you're cleaning up and it feels like you're the only person that can see the mess around you so you end up starting like banging the pans extra loud and like really making sure that everybody knows that you're the one cleaning up this is how I imagine Martha being and eventually she comes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, can't you see that I'm doing everything here? And Mary is sat down doing nothing. This is unfair. Tell her to come and help me. But Jesus responds with this. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I don't know about you, but quite often I'm Martha in the story, not Mary. I get so distracted with trying to make sure everything is in order in my life, that um, I myself am presentable before God, that I am perfect to be accepted by him. But more than our perfect behaviours, Jesus says that he wants our attention. To take the time to understand him, to understand his character, And to understand uh, the truth that he says about us, that actually he doesn't expect us to be perfect at all. He just expects us to focus on him. And I just, you know, imagine what life could look like if we did that. If our attention wasn't on what we can do, but was on what God can do. Imagine what that would look like. Because let's not forget that Jesus is the one who lived the perfect life who paid the highest price by dying and rising again so that we could have this relationship with him, not to reach these unattainable expectations, but instead to be made perfect by simply believing in him. So, number one, faith isn't a burden. Number two, faith isn't a feeling. Feelings can be so helpful. If I was to run out of church this morning because I'm so excited for my Sunday lunch, which I probably will because we're going to Toby Carberry and I love, I love Toby Carberry. Um, so it's the simple things. Um, but if I was to run out of church and I start to run across the road and all of a sudden I see an oncoming car, I would instantly be filled with a feeling of fear. And that fear would help me react in a way that is going to stop me from getting hurt, hopefully. 
Feelings are helpful. Feelings are the thing that help us relate to each other. They're the very thing that help us have a relationship with the people around us in life. So I'm not saying that feelings are a bad thing at all. They are so helpful, but they are also so misleading. Feelings are so up and down. And for those of you that work with me know this, my feelings can be very up and down. I even have a little uh, mood chart which tells people what mood I'm in so they know how to approach me that day. Um, That's the kind of person that I am Um, because my feelings are so up and down. So I can speak about this. Um, But even the very definition of feelings is an emotional state or reaction. It suggests that feelings are just temporary. Um, that they are going to be up and down and quite often you will react because of them but thankfully and I am so thankful our feelings are not our faith sorry is not based on feelings it's not based on how we feel it is based on God The Greek word um, that is used in the Bible quite often when talking about faith, um, and please hear me right when I say this word, um, is pistis. And this can be translated as God's divine persuasion or God's guarantee. Faith is God's guarantee to us that he loves us and that he is always there for us. It's got nothing to do with how we feel. And I don't know about you, I am so, so thankful for that. There was a time, not too long ago actually, where um, I felt like my faith was very up and down. That my relationship with God felt a bit messy and mainly because of how I was feeling. Um, And Jack shared this with me actually, uh, what he felt God taught him when he was feeling similar. And it was this... um, It's not your faith that is up and down. It is life that's up and down. It's not your faith that is up and down. It is life that's up and down. How many know that life can have you feeling on top of the world one minute, but then rock bottom the next? That life is a thing that causes our feelings to be all over the place and so confusing. But actually, in those times, it's important to remember that we can have a constant. And that constant is our relationship with God. That constant is that guarantee from him. Because that will never change, no matter what is going on around us. And I feel that actually that's really important for somebody in this room today. Um, you've been in this state of feeling so up and down for so long now that you, you feel like actually it's just normal. I'm never, I'm never going to feel stable. But I believe God wants you to know this morning that today is a, the start of a change for that. That actually he wants to show you um, that he has been constantly with you the whole time and that has never changed. And that as you walk out of this room today, that you're going to see that change in the rest of your life and in your circumstances. And it is all going to be because of the fact that he's shown you that his love has always been there and it is never going to leave you, ever. And I think that, you know, is so key for all of us as well. That in those times we remember his constant love for us. There's another story in the Bible I just want to quickly look at. It is quite a popular one. 
Um, it's about a dad and, and two sons. And um, the oldest one is really loyal. He works really hard for his dad. He's a grafter. Um, but the youngest son decides that he wants to go and explore um, the world. So he comes to his dad and he says, can I have my inheritance early? Can I go and um, explore and figure out life for myself. Um, so I'm sure there was a longer conversation that went on, but the dad says yes, um, and off he goes. He goes with his inheritance, um, he's having a great time, he's meeting loads of new people, um, he's at all these parties. But all of a sudden he realises that all his money, all of his inheritance is gone. He's spent it all on probably the most irresponsible things. And he ends up... Um, working on a farm looking after pigs which just a bit of context for you this story was told to Jewish people um, and pigs are seen as unclean so this really is the lowest of the low he has hit rock bottom his life really has been up and then a massive down and he's working clearing out these uh, this pig pen and um, he realizes that the only answer is to go back to his dad but he's so shamed of what he's done uh, that he knows he can't go back as a son, but instead he'll go back as a servant. And we jump back into the story here, and it says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. When I read this recently, I felt like God highlighted something to me. And notice that it didn't say, filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son. And the son, in return, ran to his father, shouting out, Dad, I love you. It doesn't say that when the father embraced the son, that the son embraced him back and was so grateful and was so happy and was filled with all this warm, fuzzy feeling inside that he was finally back with his dad. In fact, it doesn't tell us anything about what the son was feeling. For all we could know, we could still be feeling rotten and dirty and shamed. But that didn't change the father's response to his son. Or the fact that he still embraced him. Or threw on this massive party for him. And I believe Jesus tells this story this way to show us the same point. That actually, it's the father's actions that we're meant to focus on more than our own. Being a Christian isn't about feeling warm and fuzzy and excited about life all the time. That's not reality. Life is up and down and Jesus says that actually following in him, we're still going to have difficult times. But it's the fact that we don't focus on what, what we're feeling, but we focus on him. We focus on his actions towards us, that he always runs to us, that he always embraces us and that his guarantee of love for us will never, ever change. Now, what I'm about to say about this, about what we can do, is definitely easier said than done. But don't let your feelings determine your actions. This is something that I'm definitely still working on and I haven't perfected um, at all. Um, but actually, this is so key. 
And if, even if you don't believe in God this morning, this is a great principle in life for you too. Um, because as we've said already, feelings are so up and down. Um, so to respond off those, things can end up quite messy in life sometimes. Um, but if you do believe in God, these are just three points that I have found really helpful um, in doing that, in not responding off my feelings. So the first one is, um, first of all, I recognize it. I recognize what I'm feeling. I accept that I'm feeling that way and think, okay, why might I be feeling this? Then I think about what God says and I speak it out. Um, I know someone that actually spoke out um, verses from a book in the Bible over herself in the mirror every single morning to try and beat her insecurities. Um, Because the more we speak truth, the more we're going to believe it. And thirdly, connect with others little plug here but connect groups are great for that um, I love my connect group I can turn up um, and feel absolutely rubbish and tell them that I'm feeling that and they'll get around me they'll encourage me and they'll speak truth for me when I don't believe it so if you're not in a connect group please speak to somebody at the end at the connection point because that is such a great way um, to help overcome um, you know responding off our feelings and these insecurities that we can have so Faith isn't a burden. Faith isn't a feeling. Um, And just to give you a few takeaway points this morning, because I know a lot has been said about faith, um, I just want to read out some things that faith is. So faith is God's guarantee to us that he will always love us and will always be constant. Faith is not a burden. So don't set yourself unattainable expectations because you feel you need to be perfect before God. Faith is not dependent on how we feel. And finally, it's God's gift to us, a gift that enables us to have a relationship with him. And there's going to be a verse that comes up on the screen. Um, It's from a book in the Bible called Ephesians, and it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. No one can vote, sorry. Um, So in simpler words, basically what it's saying is it's by God's good heart, his love for us, that he has saved us from a, a life and an eternity without him. By giving us this gift of faith, which enables us to have a relationship with him. We can't earn this relationship ourselves. It's something that Jesus has already done for us. And it's up to us whether we trust his guarantee or not. I'm going to invite the band to come up now um, and to start playing. And as they do, I just want to read out um, a verse from the Bible um, over you, if that's okay. It's quite a popular verse. Um, It's one that sums this up really well. It talks about not feeling burdened. Um, It talks about the fact that Jesus wants us to have a light and free life with him. Um, And as I read this verse, I just want you to have a think about um, the words in this. Pick out some words that are really key to you at the moment and talk to God about that. Maybe for you it is the fact that you've been putting some expectations on yourself that God never intended to be there. And you need to have a chat about that and um, start focusing on, on his guarantee to you. Maybe it's what I mentioned before, that actually life is really up and down at the moment. 
And maybe you need to know that Jesus gets that, but he's still there. Or maybe it's that you still don't know whether you believe in God or not yet. But as I read this verse, I encourage you to have an open mind, just to have a think about what that could look like. And if you do want to talk to somebody, um, I'm sure there will be people either at the prayer room here or at the back that would love to talk to you about that. So if we could just close our eyes and just focus a minute, I'm going to read out the verse. And it says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that one. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much. Um, First of all, that you are here, that you want to speak to us. And that you want us to understand um, that, that your love for us is always guaranteed. That actually having a relationship with you is simple. We just need to focus on you. We just need to watch how you do it and work with you. And that way that we can live freely and lightly. So now God, I just ask that um, whatever it is that people need to hear from you this morning that you would speak that to them. That as we sing this song about how much you love us, that we would have um, an experience of that right now, that we would uh, be reminded of that, or maybe even know that for the first time. We thank you for who you are and for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.